Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 76 of Season 4 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal Meg Ryan rom-com when Harry met Sally, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Sean German of the Next Scene Podcast. Welcome back to the show, Sean. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad. glad to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came back, uh, especially after, you know, uh, me breaking into your house uh, last season and, uh, <laughs> you know, recording there. So, uh, you know, the fact that you're letting yeah. me in, in, in on your computer this time is is, is fine. You know, that works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so episode 76 begins with Marie and Jess trying to comfort one another and ends with Harry and Sally getting ready to eat their salads. So last week we had one of the most pivotal uh, weeks of this uh, of this movie. You know, we had the the, the point where Harry and Sally finally uh, consummated their relationship, and now we're we're in the repercussions uh, area of the movie. You know, like a typical rom com. You know, you have things that are going really well, and then something happens, and then the characters somehow get angry at one another and have to try and reevaluate their lives and you know that's where we are right now they're reevaluating reevaluating what actually you know where where they want to go from here and yeah, we yeah. we ended things we ended things on friday with both of them you know talking separately to you know jess and marie and i mean we talked a lot about the fact last week about how amazing that scene is you know the, the <laughs> I, I i mentioned this last week but i'll mention it again the fact that rob reiner claims or says on the commentary that they recorded that episode or sorry they filmed that scene more than 60 times just to get it right because they had to get the timing right between all four of them you know that just shows the dedication that uh, these actors have to, to making that scene work and making the movie work yeah yeah the the, the dedication of the actors and uh you know something about rob reiner as a director, I mean, he's still relatively young. This is his, uh, I think his fifth, you know, feature film uh, as a director. But, you know, wow, what a what a five just right out of the gate. Obviously, you know, had been in, in show business for a long time and um, through, uh, you know, on the family and, and his father and everything else. But, uh, yeah, so really, really interesting directing. And then, you know, that, that I don't get to talk about. Because that was last week, but kind of we get the the aftermath of of that scene. You can talk about that and if then, you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I I think you covered it well. Just yeah, it's it really interesting. It really just that you know that decision with the the split screen, and then we kind of end up with um uh, with them in bed, Marie and Jess, and this right. thing. And like this is um you know I think this is a you know something that may, maybe not most, but a, probably a lot of married people have said you know just turn to each other and be like. Um, you know, tell me that I, I know, never just, have to be so, out there again. <laughs> yeah, just you, you know, so thankful for not have to deal with, uh, you know, being single and the dating scene and 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 all this stuff. Where at least, um, you know, not not that, um, not that there are no issues, not that marriage solves all the problems with relationships, but at the very least, like you've got a baseline. You know, if, if you know whatever questions or disagreements or arguments we may have, at least like usually. The couple, you know, we agree we are married. Like you have at least some just, you know, agreement of where the relationship stands. Whereas, um, yeah, when you're single, you don't know. And then we've got, um, you know, a, a bit of, um, well, I'm going to presume dramatic irony that these characters are saying things that, um, 
they don't necessarily need. And they're sort of, you know, lying, maybe lying is too strong a word, but they're not being honest with, with each other. And I don't think with themselves when they both, um, you know, we get like the back and forth between Sally and Harry and both saying, you know, this, this was a mistake, but I don't know. Um, right. Like well, whatever. We'll get, we'll get there in a second. We'll, we'll get, we'll get there okay. soon. I mean, first we'll get there. Right. So, I mean, the, the whole idea, first of all, I, I like the fact that, that the way that this minute starts, we actually get the punchline of, you know, everything that happened, you know, uh, at the end of last week, you know, right. it basically gets cut off. And then we, we have the, the, you know, where, where Marie turns to Jeff and says, tell me I never have to be out there again. And he responds, you will never have to be out there again. And I mean, I love the fact that, you know, at the beginning of this movie, or at the beginning, when, when we meet Jessen and Marie, they are both basically a mess when it comes to relationships, you know, yeah. and, you know, Har- not that Harry and Sally were, were, were in great, great shape, but Harry and Sally at least, you know, created this great friendship between them. You know, we had right. Marie the whole time talking about Arthur, you know, her, her, uh, uh, I guess if she's the mistress, what would you, what would you even call uh, her boyfriend? I don't know. If, I don't even know if that's the right terminology. For what we would call Arthur, I mean, there's 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 a lot of things we could call him, but you know, we're trying to be nice here. Uh, yeah, but the um, yeah, the married man that she's having an affair with. That yeah, we know he's never going to leave. Yes, it's and she knows it too. You know, you're right. You're right. You're always right. You know, yeah. and you know, I, I I just love the fact that that and and Jess basically talks about the fact that you know he's he's at a stage in his life where he he feels that he doesn't need to be in a relationship and then mm-hmm. within you know minutes afterwards in the movie he's already you know fallen in love with somebody and and wants to spend the re- and moves in with her and wants to you know spend the rest of his life with her you know so it's right. i mean it's funny that you mentioned dramatic irony because that's more or less what that is also mm-hmm. you know the way that these two characters and and you know they are not the paradigms of uh perfect relationship people at the beginning or when we first meet them and they've turned into that because they're the stable ones. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I really like about this film. I'm not, I'm not generally a huge romantic comedy fan. Um, and I didn't come here. I don't want to, I didn't come here to bad mouth, you know, movies or the genre. Um, you can, here, you, know, you know, that you can, that's, uh, you I, know, I know but... I can, but I, I, I think we're, you know, most, you know, as as hosts and as guests and, and I think most listeners were here to celebrate the film and and by extension the genre but uh I do find the and this is not even you know this is not uh, restricted to romantic comedies but you know the the secondary characters are very um you know they're very flimsy they're just there to kind of serve the plot they're very you know they're just kind of plot devices they're not really characters mm-hmm. um and and maybe this goes more to uh, uh you know the writer than the direction but um, you know, Marie and Jess, like, uh, sorry, yeah, they, they've got an arc that, that you described. They've got a character arc. They kind of grow. We see their relationships develop. Um, you know, we almost, you know, you could almost do like, a, um, you know, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern version of this film, like from their perspective, you know, see how. That would actually be really cool. Unfortunately, uh, it'd be very difficult since, since the two of them have both yeah. passed on, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, like like they're they're real characters, and and we get a real arc for them, and we see their growth. And like you said, like you know, when we when we first meet them, they're both romantically, um, you know, messes. They're they're train wrecks. And then here we see 
I mean, at least in terms of, as far as we know, the end of the film, they live happily ever after. They seem, sure. um, you know, that they hit it off right away. They seem a good couple, and and they're getting along well. So, uh, you know, good good for them. Right. <laughs> I mean, I I also love. I, I I mentioned this slightly last week, but I love the the pictures on the wall, on both sides of their beds. It's hard to make out what they are, but they look like possibly airplanes or or you know things like that. I can't can't really tell. Maybe it's someone on a on a like a boat. Mm-hmm. On one side, and another one on the uh, maybe it looks like a plane. I don't know. They're, they're just yeah. I I like the decoration of their apartment. Yeah, I mean you know, uh, on Jess's side, it it definitely looks like a plane, like an old old style biplane. Mm-hmm. Um, Marie's side, I don't like. It kind of looks like it's a boat in the air. I mean, my assumption would be if it's you know some sort of flying machine. We usually think. Yeah. airplane or zeppelin or something it's it's kind of behind a lamp so we don't get a great right when i it. when i first uh, when i first saw it i thought it was i thought it was uh the hindenburg you know because it looks <laughs> like there are flames coming out of it but but it's not yeah no no and i i do like that they um they both have their own phones like separate yes. phones and separate phone numbers yes well because they're both professionals but that's it right you know we don't really know enough about what what they all do but apparently marie and jess are both important enough that they each need to have their own phone number, uh, own phone. Right. Right. You know, bef- this and and you know to remind everyone, obviously this was a long time before people had cell phones. So you know the fact that they have two phone lines, you know, already says something. Yeah, you know, I mean we talked a little bit yeah. about that last week when when the phone was ringing and they both go, "That's yours." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mo- modern couple problem. Yes, apparently. <laughs> Very true. And then, you know, the the scene changes and we see Sally putting on makeup. And, you know, there's there's like somber music uh, playing at the same time. And then we as she's she's putting this makeup on, she we, we hear her voiceover and she says, I'll just say we made a mistake. And as she's talking, we, we then start hearing Harry's voice also. You know, and then he says, Sally, it was a mistake. <laughs> and then we see him in, in, in the shower. You know, so, you know, the two of them are, are getting ready for this date that they, they said yesterday morning uh, or they said on Friday uh, that they will, you know, that they're going to go out, you know, that type of thing. And and then the it goes back and we hear another voiceover from Sally saying, I just hope I get to say it first. And then it switches back to Harry in the shower, and we hear his voice over, and he says, "I hope she says it before I do," which is which is great. Yes. Yeah, it's so funny just to show like how, you know, how compatible they are, how sync they are, how in sync they are as a couple. They they both want the same thing. I mean, even if it's not necessarily the right thing in the long long run, um, but yeah, she wants to say it first. He wants her to say it first. No, but that's yeah. just because he's he's a chicken. <laughs> yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's oh, yeah. not like. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's it's not yeah. as if it's not as if he's he's trying to be uh, chivalrous here by saying, "Oh, I'll let her oh. say it first. It's the idea that oh, right. I don't want to have to say it. You know, I want to be able to yeah. agree. I want her to say right. it. I, I want to make sure that she's gonna, you know, she's gonna be the one to say that. You know, he doesn't want to take the risk of, right. of saying it and then you know she and then being wrong. or gets hurt. Yeah, correct. He wants to follow and just agree with with what she says as right. long as I she's mean, saying I, what. But what I think that's part of it. I think the other part is he, like I said, oh, yeah. he he's chicken. He doesn't want to, you know. He he doesn't want to ruin his his friendship by saying something that 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 she's not going to agree with, you know that type of thing. 
I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, I, I'm sure. Uh, I actually, I don't know. I know I've been in this type of situation uh, many. Th- I was in this type of situation many times when I was single, where I became very friendly with with uh, you know with a girl, and I was afraid to ask her out in order to you know because I was afraid of ruining our friendship. That type of thing. You know, you have the whole the whole you know idea that that uh, you know if if you ask someone out, you might ruin the friendship. But you know, as as uh, you know, now that now that I'm older, I realize that you know the the fallacy in thinking that because the bottom line is, is if you you know you don't need to just have a female friend, you want to have more than that. So I, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation either, but uh, you know, I, I know a lot of friend, a friend, my friends who were in similar situations also over over the years. Yeah, I, I've never really been in that situation. I haven't had a lot of. Um... Yeah, you, know, you know, friendships that became romantic or romantic entanglements that developed into friendships either way. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then the, the scene changes and we see the two of them in a restaurant sitting there, you know, all dressed up. And my, my first question is, is, you know, why are they all so why are they both so dressed up? <laughs> you know, they've, I they've, think this is. They, they never stated in the morning. They didn't state in the morning we're going to have a formal date, you know, and and get dressed up. He said, you know, I want to take you out to dinner. Mm-hmm. So does you know why would that automatically mean let's dress up? You know, I'm going to put on a suit and jacket, and you're going to put on you know a nice uh, uh, dress, and we're going to go out as opposed to, you know, we've we've been going out for months as friends. So like, what's you know where what was the key? Uh, wording in you know during their conversation that that tipped them both off to the fact that they have to get dressed up for this. Um, yeah, I think they well one they seem to be dressier than than we are today. Maybe that's just the time and and um, you know what was expected of professionals. Certainly in the United States, with like the the explosion of what started as business casual, but now is just I mean jeans and a t shirt. Um, even if you're wearing, you know, if you were in an office wearing jeans and t-shirt, that does not make it business casual just because right. like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a business and you're dressed casually, that does not equal business casual. So it is, you know, so I don't think this would have been noteworthy to audiences at the time. And I'm guessing they probably just, um, you know, by the restaurant either, um, you know, either they met at the restaurant, you know, Harry would say, oh, I, you know, I made reservations here and I'll meet you there. Or he would just tell Sally, oh, this is, I know I'm going to pick you up, but this is where we're going. And then she would know, oh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to TGI Fridays or the Cheesecake Factory. Oh, this right. is a, a nicer place. So, uh, um, so I'll, you know, she would know just by what restaurant they're going to. But this seems, you know, in general, we see um, other when, you know, when they're, um, you know, later we'll see um Jess and Harry are like out jogging and they're wearing like athletic clothes because they're, right. uh, you know, they're exercising. But otherwise, when they're just hanging out, it seems like they're mostly wearing, you know, like a sport coat and, um, you know, a shirt with a collar. Like we don't see a lot of, of casual dress in general right. in the film. Okay. Like, I think this is just this is just the way these people dress, <laughs> you know, okay. time and place. It could be. could be. I mean, again, we've seen Harry and Sally, uh, you know, uh, paddling around over the course of this movie where they're not dressed up that's the thing you know that that's what got well, me here yeah the fact that that okay he said i want to take you out to dinner so 
you know, again, it, as you said, it's very possible that they, at some point during the course of the day, had a conversation where he said, okay, we're going to go to this and this restaurant. You know, uh, it's, it's very fancy. You know, it's, it is possible. Yeah. You know, or it could, you know, could just be another, uh, another sign to show how compatible they are as a couple that they both, you know, they're, they're both of a similar level of dress and, um, you know, like, you know, if we go ahead and assume that Harry picked Sally up and did not tell her ahead of time where they were going, but she kind of knew, um, you know, and this would be, this is kind of a, uh, a you know, a, a, not a special event, but this is a particular dinner. You know, this is not just two friends or even two lovers going out to dinner. This is the the first time them being out together after the first time sure. that they had sex. Like that's mm -hmm. a particular you know, like a particular milestone in the relationship. And right. so, um, you know, so he might think, you know, Harry might think, well, this should be a little fancier uh, than maybe the usual restaurant if I was just going out with a friend, um, male or female, although, you know, we know Harry doesn't think he can be friends with a woman. Um, and then she might think, well, this is, you know, I want to be a little, look a little better, be a little fancier than usual, because again, this is the first time going out after the first time we've had sex but right. uh, yeah they're they're both they both seem to be on the same page in terms of uh yeah it's 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 not you know it's it's not ball gowns and black tie but it's a little fancy yeah right okay that, that's fair and then you know there's a few seconds of silence and then sally said, talks and she goes it was a mistake and then you can see the relief on harry's face where he goes oh, i'm so relieved that you think so too I'm not saying that last night wasn't great. And she responds, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> and he says, we just <laughs> never should have done it. I couldn't agree more. I am so relieved. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can feel the tension in this conversation between the two of them. You know, you, you know anyone who's, who's seen the, you know, the first 75 minutes of this movie knows that they act very differently together up until this point, you know, mm -hmm. you know that that the events of last week where they finally had sex really has changed the way that the two of them uh, can feel comfortable among, uh, you know, together and stuff like that. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, I like the way that they do this. They, they show that, uh, you know, and, and the fact that they both are in agreement here is is both a plus and a minus, you know, <laughs> because, you know, we all know that they really should be together. And right, I, right. I have a feeling, I have a feeling they think that too, but it, they're just not ready for, to accept that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they haven't, they haven't um, overtly expressed, you know, I kind of, I think I said earlier that there's, you know, a little bit of a dramatic irony that they're saying something that we as the audience know, is it true? And they haven't overtly expressed that, um, you know, that they don't think it, but I, right. I think, I think as the audience, we can presume um, you know, we even see, you know, we we do get that voiceover where, um, you know, where Harry says, oh, this is a mistake. And I hope she says it first so that we know, um, you know, he isn't just agreeing in the moment that, you know, where he just he's going to agree with whatever she says, which he probably would end up, uh, you know, like you said, you know, he doesn't want to, um, uh, you know, he, he doesn't want to take control. He just wants to kind of go along and right. let things work out, hopefully well. So he probably would agree with, uh, you know, with whatever take she she comes out. But she just happens to come out with 
the take that we know and why. And what he wants, what he wants her to say also, <laughs> or what he's hoping she's going to say. Yeah. So, so she's saying what he hopes she would say. Um, right. So, you know, he, you know, it wasn't like, you know, we, you know, it'd be different if we saw him in the shower going, oh, I hope she says it's not a mistake. And then when, she, and then she says it's a mistake, but he feels that he has to agree with, with whatever she's saying. So he right. did, you know, kind of lay the groundwork to say, well, this is what I hope she says. But um, again, as the audience, I, you know, we don't, just because he thought it and he's saying it now doesn't mean we have to believe it. Correct. Um, That's very true. Did, did you notice, did you notice what the two of them are drinking? I did not notice what they're drinking. Yeah. Okay, so so Sally has a a glass, or I guess you get a third of a glass of of white wine, mm -hmm. and Harry oh. actually has a martini. Is that a martini? Okay, it looks yeah. like there's an olive in the glass. Exactly, there's an olive in the glass, so I'm assuming that that's a martini. So, do you know anything about the 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 history of the martini, or do you know what a martini actually is? Um, I. I... I know very little. I think I know what a martini is, but uh, I don't really know about the history. I'm not a martini drinker. Okay. Do you know what martini is made out of? So if I believe a martini is usually, uh, it's usually vodka um, with just a hint or a taste of vermouth and then could be either served with a, an mm. olive or sometimes they have like little pearl onions. Although I think that is that a gimlet? That may be a, a different drink where it's basically the same alcohol, but a different um, you know, if you if you garnish it with an onion, that's a different drink. But um, yeah, so you garnish with an olive, and then uh, some people, if you put a little bit of um, the juice, like the liquid that from a jar of olives, that's a dirty martini. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So you, lot, you, you, know, you there's, are there's wide. There's a wide range. Like I, I've read, like some people say, like you know, you have uh, you know, a certain amount of vermouth. Some people will say, well, the, you know, the ice that you use to chill the vodka, you like pour some vermouth, you swish it around and then you dump it out. So there's just whatever residue is left on the ice cubes. Um, you know, that's the only vermouth that, you know, that, that cools the, um, uh, you know, cool the, the vodka. And then others will say, well, you take the vodka and you put it in ice to cool. And then you just wave a bottle of vermouth over it. And that's all that, you know, that's all the vermouth. You mean like hocus pocus type of thing where you just wave it over? Yeah. Yeah, you, you have like the suggestion of there might have been vermouth in the vicinity, but no actual vermouth goes in. But um, that may be a, a matter of taste. But other than that, yeah, I really don't know much about. Mm. No, I mean, I know that you 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 you. I think you said that you tasted vermouth because of uh, you know when you were doing uh, Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day, yes. So you, sweet, you know. sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. That's right, and uh, I think yeah. I recall you saying that you actually tried it because of that. So I. I, I did try it and I, I did not like it. So I don't, I right. would not recommend, yeah, straight up vermouth or vermouth on the rocks on its own. Um, not yet, yeah, not my favorite, but maybe, you know, maybe a little bit of vermouth with vodka in a, in a martini. Um, yeah, might, might be a different story. Okay, right. So you are correct. I mean, martini is, is a uh, cocktail that's made with gin and vermouth and is usually garnished either with an olive or a lemon twist. Okay, it is one of the best known mixed uh, alcoholic beverages. Um, a popular variation is the vodka martini, which uses vodka instead of gin. Oh, okay. There you okay. go. That's what I was thinking. In general, it's a uh, two-to-one ratio between the gin and vermouth or the vodka and vermouth. Oh, two-to-one. And that was started in like around 1922. That's when it became uh, very popular that that's what, what people would, would uh, drink. A dry martini is made with little to no vermouth. Mm -hmm. And you can sometimes uh, order a martini extra dry, 
which has even less than that at, or no vermouth at all. I guess they, that's the hocus pocus, uh, you know, okay. version. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, during the 1920s, it was a very common drink order. And over the course of the decades of the 20th century, the amount of vermouth started dropping. So in the 30s, it was a ratio of three to one. In the 40s, it was four to one. And then in the latter part of the 20th century, it reached five to one, six to one, eight to one, 12 to one, and 15 to one. The 15 to one was actually, no, it's known as the Montgomery. Okay, Montgomery. Okay. And after British Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery, who was uh, supposedly you know, known for attacking only when in possession of great numerical superiority. Mm -hmm. So that's why the 15 to one uh, works there, obviously. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, the origin of the Eight. name Martini is not 100% known. They say it could be that it came from, there uh, There was a brand of vermouth that was that used to be called Martini. So it could be that it came from there. It also could have been uh, called in the 1860s, there was a drink called the Martinez that was uh, very popular in San Francisco, which uh, people would would take a they would they would go to, to to drink there, and then they would take the evening ferry to go to the nearby town of Martinez, California. So that was uh, known about that. Now I know you know the answer to this question. Who is the most famous <laughs> fictional character who loves to drink martinis? Um, well, that must be Harry Burns, of course. No, I, I thought you were going to say Phil Collins. <laughs> no, it's um, <laughs> it's James Bond, of course. That is correct. Yeah. That is correct. That's he would order. James Bond. He is known for ordering a vodka martini shaken but not stirred. Okay, yeah. it actually first appeared in uh, Ian Fleming's novel Diamonds Are Forever, and he just asked for uh, he just asked for a martini. Shaken not stern. He doesn't mention the vodka. That came later. And in the, the very first James Bond movie, Dr. No, uh, a, a different character actually says it. The Dr. No. He he asks for the uh, vodka martini shaken not stirred. So they, I guess, decided after that to give it to, uh, you know, the, the character of Bond. And Sean Connery in Goldfinger is the first time that it, it actually is said. Shaken, not stirred. Shaken, not stirred. Um, can you think of any TV sitcoms that that had characters that would always be drinking uh, vodka martinis? No. There are two very famous ones: one from the '60s and one from the '70s. I have a feeling once you say it, I'm going to be like slap, slapping my forehead, saying, "Oh yeah, I get it now." But okay. I can't so, well, I mean, I'm assuming that these are shows that you also saw, like me, in in uh, in syndication. You know, yeah, in reruns. Um, right. So one of them is uh, I Dream of Genie, where Genie would always make a vodka martini. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. For Captain mm -hmm. Nelson, and it was right. and she would call it his favorite potion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. on the sitcom Mash, a shout out to uh, oh. the Mash Minute. Yeah, you know, I know. I know it's not the movie, but it's the TV show. So you know, Hawkeye Pierce, played by Alan Alda, had a gin distillery in his tent which he used to make martinis in just about every episode. Yeah, that's right. They'd always be in the swamp, which is what they called their, that's their tent in the match unit. They'd be yes. in the swamp with the, the martini glass. Okay. Yeah. 
Like I said, I knew as soon as you said it, I know I'd recognize it. I just wasn't able to think of it. But yeah. That's fine. It's perfectly okay. Um, and then we get the, the final line of this minute where the waiter comes by and says, two mixed green salads. <laughs> and on the commentary, it's hilarious because Billy Crystal says that that's his favorite looped uh, line in, a, in any movie that he's been in. You know, because really? apparently it's not something that, that was said on the set. They added it in later. <laughs> mm-hmm. So The magic of ADR. There That's correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought that was interesting because I didn't. So you asked if I, I hadn't noticed um, what they were drinking. I did notice when the food came because as far as we see, the waiter just places down two plates with, uh, you know, with the mixed green salad. There's no. You know, there's no dressing on the side. There's no indication that there's any special order going on. And we, we know Sally's got, um, you know, her particular way of ordering in a restaurant. But That's I don't right. know if it's, you know, if, if maybe Harry's, uh, you know, Harry's rubbing off on her. Maybe she just, you know, she knows how much it bothers Harry. So um, she tries not to do it as much when they're dining together. But uh, as far as we can tell, she's just getting, you know, the same thing that he gets. Um, well, I would, I would know. actually, I would actually uh, go one step further and say that, you know, when she, when they ordered it, she already told the waiter what she wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and then Harry said, okay, I'll have the same. That's what I think. Okay. That, that, I mean, that would be my guess. I obviously I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the way that this minute ends. Do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before I uh, go into the script? Um. Nothing. Yeah, no, nothing else particular about this minute other than to say there is a lot of there's a lot of eating in this film. We see, you know, uh, a, a lot of a lot of their discussions happen over meals. We'll yeah. have uh, um, we'll we'll have Sally kind of snacking in a later minute this week. Yes. And uh, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm one of those people. I don't know if it's it, it it's not like a, a phobia or it's not a, like a psychological issue, but uh I'm not a big fan of the sound of other people eating, and there's a lot of chewing sounds. But I think that, that I think that's done on purpose. Well, we'll talk a little about the chewing tomorrow. It, it, mm-hmm. it, okay. it does come up a little more. But yeah. but you're right. They 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 eat they do eat a lot in this movie, and I think that that makes it more realistic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you know, in real life people you know eat quite often. Exactly. No, again, even even going back uh, you know months ago when we were talking about you know the when they were in the deli. And she was having her fake orgasm. I mean, they were they were both eating deli sandwiches at the time, right? You know, if if they were sitting in a in a restaurant and just talking, and you know, the food would be sitting on the side or whatever it is, it wouldn't have been as effective. You know, because you do have the point where you know Harry takes a bite and looks over and is really confused as to what's going on. So yeah. you know, the it it I think it adds a little more realism to to the the characters. By having them, you know, eat food as they're doing things here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, right. then that, that's it. So that was all all my notes on that on this particular. Thing. All right. So the the script just has a, a few minor discrepancies. In the movie, Harry says, "I'm not saying last night wasn't great." In the script, the line is, "I'm not saying last night wasn't a physically pleasurable sexual experience." <laughs> That's a very analytical way of putting it. Yeah, I, I think I think it works better just, you know, leaving it at that. Uh, I'm not saying last night wasn't great. I think I think that's a good cut. You know, they, they, they made the right decision there. 
you know, and then after Sally says, I'm so relieved. Okay, so in the movie, Harry says, great. And in the script, he says, me too. So again, it's not, it doesn't really make much of a difference. It's, uh, you know, as they say, six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's pretty much the same. Uh, I, I think great, it comes off a little too enthusiastic that he's like too happy about that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, I think the, the version that we get in the film is, is better. Yeah. All right. That's, that's fair. Every Monday we have a segment called Meg Ryan Monday, where my guests will give their top five Meg Ryan performances. So John, why don't you start with your number five and work your way up? Okay. Okay. And this was kind of difficult going through her, um, uh, you know, her resume, I actually realized there's, there's not a lot of, uh, a lot of Meg Ryan films that I've seen. So, uh, I've, I've seen about five. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Man, I'm glad you saw at least five. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I have seen at least five films with Meg Ryan. So, uh, so I was able to fill out my five. And, uh, so coming in at number five, I'm going to start with, uh, Top Gun, uh, which is n- not a huge part for her, but, uh, an entertaining film. And, uh, you know, I think she does well with, with what she has there. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, I'm going to put this film, uh, When Harry Met Sally. Um, obviously a much bigger part for, uh, for Meg Ryan here, but, uh, so this would be my, my number four, Meg Ryan. Um, at number three, I'll put The Doors, uh, the Oliver Stone, uh, 1991 film about Jim Morrison, uh, and The Doors, which, uh, she's, she's got a big part of it. I know, like, um, I think that's one of those films that's got a bit of a cult following. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the critics didn't necessarily love it, but uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, and, and McGrien's good in that. Um, uh, number two, I'm going to go um, going all the way back to 1986 uh, with John Candy and Eugene Levy. It's uh, Armed and Dangerous. Ooh. That's a yeah. great, great, Where, great uh, pick. A really good John Candy comedy. Um, yeah, Candy and Levy, they're... Um, uh, they're security guards, and uh, Meg Ryan is uh, in in with the team uh, that's training them with like the security guard school, and and she gets to say the the titular line. You know, they finish their their security guard training and their issued weapons, and she says, "All right, you you are now armed and dangerous." <laughs> but so uh, yeah, that, that that's one of my favorite. Uh, it's a good John Candy film. So uh, armed and dangerous, um, and then at number one, uh, Joe versus the volcano. Uh, from 1990 uh, with with Tom Hanks, um, really uh, good uh, good Meg Ryan film. She actually plays uh, a, a few different parts in that one. Um, yeah, she uh, plays three. Uh, well, and, she plays three different characters in that one. Yeah, yeah, she she plays. Uh, through, well, I guess they're half sisters. <clears throat> I, I I don't remember the, the the exact story. They're they're not they're not triplets, but they're like. Uh, um, they're, they're, they're three daughters of a, of a philanderer. So I think they've got three different mothers, but they've got the same father. But yeah, three different characters that she plays. Um, and, and they're very different personalities, very different characters that she plays. And I think that's part of the, part of the comedy of that particular film or part yeah. of the entertainment is, um, you know, to kind of see her really, uh, you know, strut her stuff as an actress doing, you know, these, these vastly different, you know, each outlandish in their own way characters. Um, so yeah, Joe versus the volcano, and, and a shout out to uh, Joe versus the minute. Um, there was a, a movies by minutes podcast that covered yep. Joe versus mm-hmm. the volcano. So, um, yes, there was. Yeah, I'm gonna. That's 
that's that's my number one Meg Ryan film right there. All right, great. So Sean, you want to tell people where they can find uh, Sean German? Yeah, so if you want to hear more from me, I uh, I come from uh, Next Scene Podcast, where we are covering pop culture one scene at a time. You can find us at nextscenepod.com and uh, Next Scene Pod on uh, on the social media. All right, and finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Your thrill with all your faults, I love you still. It had to be you, wonderful you, had to be you.